Good evening. Good to be back with you. I was at Eastland this morning celebrating their 100th year anniversary, and uh, what, a, what a great experience. Uh, many of you know Larry Roberts, the preacher there. We have had him here in our summer series, and what a great man, a great congregation. I, I actually started off by saying what an honor it is to be a part of this celebration, and how amazing it is that Larry Roberts has been the preacher for the all 100 years that that congregation has been in existence. Something else we learned about Elisha that a lot of people don't know is that he was a runner. I don't know if you noticed his Nikes, so uh, <laughs> Nike tennis shoes he is wearing. You know, in the book, The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat, Dr. Oliver Sacks tells the story of Jimmy. Jimmy walked into Dr. Sacks' office in 1975 with a rare condition known as Korsakoff Syndrome. It's a memory issue. You see, Jimmy had a 30-year gap in his memory. From 1945 on, he didn't remember anything. So he came into Dr. Sachs' office, and Dr. Sachs asked him all sorts of questions, to which he answered very pleasantly. Jimmy could remember the house that he grew up in. He could remember the school that he went to. He remembered serving during World War II in the Navy on a submarine. He even remembered Morse code still. But that's where his memory stopped, in 1945. And so he walked into Dr. Sachs' office in 1975 with that 30-year gap. According to Jimmy, Truman was still president. The periodic table stopped at uranium. Man hadn't been to the moon. He thought he was still 19. And Dr. Sachs presented him with a mirror, and he freaked out. What is this, some sort of joke? I mean, what's going on here? What's happened to me? And so he quickly took the mirror away, tried to calm him down, took him over to the window and let him look outside, and Dr. Sachs left the room for a minute. When he returned just a few minutes later, Jimmy looked at him and said, Hi, you, Doc not remembering anything that had just happened. You know, it's kind of comical, but at the same time, how horrific would that be to have a 30-year gap in your memory? Do you think mem remembering things is important? Apparently, from a spiritual perspective, it is, because we see in the Bible over and over again this theme of remembrance, and that brings us to our His Word passage tonight. Look with me. At Colossians chapter 2. And in Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6, I want you to notice what is written here. Paul is writing and he says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority, and in him you also were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. 
when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he was taken, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Now, I mean, one of the first things you notice is this is a complete description of the gospel, right? I mean, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but there's more to it than that, and this is a really good definition of the gospel, a picture of the gospel. But also, you notice in virtually all of Paul's letters, not just here, there is a section reminding the recipients of the letter to remember, to not forget where they came from. To remember your baptism. Again, we say this all the time, but when you're studying the Bible, remember that Paul's letters are not written to people that need to be baptized. He is writing to people who are Christians. They've been baptized. They obeyed the gospel, but he tells them to continue obeying the gospel. That's a theme that runs throughout his letters. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, past tense, he says, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him, established in your faith just as you were instructed in him you have been made complete when you were dead in your transgressions again past tense he made you alive having canceled out their certificate of debt you get the idea paul's going back to the time before they were a christian and to now and he's saying don't forget where you came from that's a theme that runs throughout he's talking to people who have been saved and he's writing to christians and the the main focal point is this remember your baptism Remember where you came from. It, it's too easy to forget, isn't it? I mean, it's all too easy to forget. Let's face it. We probably don't mourn over the Alamo. We just don't. You know, after 9-11, we adopted a mantra that we will never forget. But we will. We will. Subsequent generations come along and they'll forget. They'll have to be reminded every September the 11th. Memorial Day is a time that is set apart in the calendar for us to remember the sacrifice of those who paid for our freedom, those who served in our military, those who fought for our country, and so often it's treated as a day off, you know, as a day you cook out. It's just easy to forget. We are a people that have a hard time remembering. And so we have books, we have statues, we have holidays meant to refresh our minds and to keep these historic events from fading out of our memory. But the truth is we are a forgetful people, which is why Paul and the other New Testament writers place so much emphasis on remembering. And why do you think that is? Well, I think it's because remembering takes us back to what we should be about. It reminds us of where we came from and where we're going. Don't forget to remember. I think that's a key theme for Paul throughout his letters, including right here in Colossians. Because God's people have a history of short-term memory loss, don't they? They just do. We have a history of short-term memory loss. You can go all the way back to the story of the Exodus, right? I mean, look at Exodus chapter 13, for instance. 
Exodus chapter 13, beginning of verse 3, it says, Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out from Egypt, from the house of slavery. For by a powerful hand the Lord brought you out from this place, and nothing leavened shall be eaten. On this day in the month of Abib you are about to go forth. It shall be when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall observe this rite in this month. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten throughout the seven days, and nothing leavened shall be seen among you, nor shall any leaven be seen among you and all your borders. You shall tell your son on that day, saying, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt, and it shall serve as a sign on your hand. And as a reminder on your forehead that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth, for with a powerful hand the Lord brought you out of Egypt. Therefore you shall keep the ordinance at its appointed time from year to year. Moses said, remember this day. And there were certain things that were given for the people to practice in order to remember it and to keep it fresh in their minds. And one of them was to not use leaven, to signify the haste in which you had to leave. There wasn't even time for the leaven to work in the dough. And so you are to trade leaven for milk and honey, basically. At least a land flowing with milk and honey, right? And so that was to be one reminder. But there were other reminders, weren't there? There were things that should have been engraved in their minds, like the ten plagues, you know, like crossing, you know, on dry land as the Red Sea was parted, you know, the, the death of the firstborn. I mean, for those who didn't put the blood on the lintel and the doorposts, there were visual reminders. There were things like the pillar of smoke during day and a pillar of uh, a fire at night. All these different things were there to remind them of the life-altering deliverance out of slavery, out of Egypt. And yet, they forgot, didn't they? At least in part. It wasn't fresh on their minds. They were willing to return to Egypt rather than to continue forward to the land flowing with milk and honey. And I can envision Moses saying, you were making bricks, folks. Your whole life was about that. And you're wanting to go back to that? How could you forget so quickly and so easily that you would go back to slavery? Paul brings this up in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 6, he says, Now these things happened as examples for us. So that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. Why should you remember? Well because those who fail to remember are destined to repeat their mistakes, right? They're destined to recite their past. Oftentimes, we have this mantra, oh, well, you, you live and learn, right? Well, actually, you learn to live. And that's what Paul is driving at here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You learn from the mistakes of the past. You learn from your forefathers so that you can live better going forward. So this is about remembering. It's about 
studying the failures of those who went before you so that you don't make the same mistakes. And Paul reiterates what we already know, and that is that the Bible, the Old Testament especially, is a teaching tool. It shows us how a holy God responds to sin. It shows us how we are to act. It's an educator. It's a, it's a schoolmaster, right? And so it is there to teach us to be a guide for us going forward. But it also not only teaches us about sin, the severity of sin, and how God will react to sin, it also teaches us about the grace of God. Something that I think we miss sometimes when we look through the Old Testament. We tend to think, well, the Old Testament presents a wrathful God, and thank goodness he mellowed out in the New Testament. But there's grace in the Old Testament. Over and over again, we find the theme. And Paul's major message is here, don't, don't do the things they did. Don't make the same mistakes. But if you do, there is forgiveness. There is a way out. That's what God's word is. It's a compass. It's a field manual for us trying to keep on the right path, going in the right direction towards the right destination. The Bible is a book of failures. Have you noticed that? It's a book of failures. Why do you think that is? The past can be a highly effective teacher. We can learn from our own failures, but even from the failures of others. I used to own a uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee. I didn't want to, but I had a green Chevy Stepside that was tricked out. I did a lot to it while I was in college. I loved that truck, but we, you know, we started having kids. It's not a very practical family vehicle. So, got a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Wasn't brand new. It was a used vehicle. But there was a feature that is now very prevalent. Just about every car has it. But back then, it was, it was kind of new, and that was this distance to empty or miles to empty feature. In other words, it would pop up and tell you how far you have to go before you're going to run out of gas. You know what I learned about that feature? It's not real accurate. <laughs> I'm driving around one day, and I look, and it says 20 miles to empty, and immediately after that, I ran out of gas. I didn't have 20 miles. I didn't have any miles. And so I learned from that day forward that I probably need to get gas at about 50 miles to empty if I want to be safe. You live and learn, right? And all of us know what it means to make a mistake here or there, whether it be severe or whether it be rather minor. And we learn from those mistakes and we chalk it up to, you know, our own failure, whatever, and we, we move forward. Not repeating that mistake again, hopefully, Y'all like country music. One of my favorite country artists is Eric Church, and he has a song called uh, Some of It. And it goes like this. I'm not singing it, by the way. Some of it you learn the hard way. Some of it you read on a page. Some of it comes from heartbreak. Most of it comes with age. None of it ever comes easy. A bunch of it you maybe can't use. I know I don't probably know what I think I do, but there's something to some of it. And I think that's really true. Man, that theologian Eric Church, right? You know, experience can be a great teacher. And I say can be, it's only if we let it. And not just our experience, but the experience of others can teach us as well. And that's, that's the Bible. It's a book of failures. And these failures are included to show us that you don't want to make the same mistake. But not only that, that if you make the same mistake, that there is forgiveness. There is grace. And what a beautiful beautiful picture that we have there we can't afford to miss the fact that scripture is a record of failures and it's a record of redemption 
Despite the best of intentions, despite laser focus, we make mistakes, right? We can be forgiven of those mistakes. But the book of failures is there so that we hopefully don't repeat those mistakes. It's a record of failures meant to highlight the grace of God, but also to show us what not to do. Everyone has a past. And Paul reminds us of this when he writes, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven all your transgressions. And so once again, we see this theme of Paul's popping up, the theme of remember your baptism, remember who you were before Jesus, remember where you came from. But you know, go back a little further even. You, you go back to the, the very beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, God. Go back even that far. In the beginning, God. The Bible starts with the source. Have you noticed that? The Bible doesn't start with you. You don't find you there because you're not there yet. This isn't about you. The Bible is about a lot of things, but you know what it's about first and foremost? It's about God. It's a book about God. It's a simple way to condense it. It's a book about God, and in the beginning, God. The Bible begins with the source. Just so there's no confusion, the Holy Spirit makes it clear that we begin with God, that we start with Him, because everything begins with God, right? Everything begins there and ends there. He is the source. The Holy Scriptures begin with that message. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Your name is not there, because this, this is not about you. You're not the source. God is. So we have to get that straight before we go any further. Then you read in verse 26, seven words that are vital to our story. Let us make man in our image. Now this is where you and I come into the picture. Go to Genesis 3 and verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Four words here. Four words found in chapter 3, verse 1. Indeed has God said. Indeed has God said. The serpent questioned the source, didn't he? And then he flat out lied. And we know the rest of the story from there. Adam and Eve partook of that fruit. They were exiled from the Garden of Eden. And by the way, when you read the Bible, we've talked about this before. It's a story of redemption. You read it with the big picture in mind. But it's also a story of exile. Have you noticed that? Over and over again, it's about exile. That, that theme keeps popping up. And so Adam and Eve are exiled. They're taken out of the garden. They're ousted, right? But God doesn't give up on them. Because we've all exercised our free will in a way that is against God. But there is grace. There is forgiveness, right? So Adam and Eve are ousted from the garden. Then we see, for all have sinned in Romans chapter 3, 23. We didn't inherit the sin of Adam and Eve. We were born into a fallen world. We, are, we didn't inherit their specific sin, but we are sinful all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one measures up, not without a Savior, that is. And then you go to Romans chapter 5, it says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So two words this time, but God. This is where our story takes a turn. The source of physical life is the source of spiritual life as well. And that's Paul's message in a nutshell. It's considered the source. Consider who the source is. Go back to the beginning and consider the source. That's why you come to church. That's why you share the gospel. That's why you live. To consider the source. 
So when temptation comes your way, consider the source. Consider who is in charge. Consider who's in control. When you're suffering, go back to the source. Consider who is in charge and who is in control. When you're joyful, consider the source. Consider who's in charge and who's in control. When you hear a doctrine that doesn't seem right, go back to the source. Consider who is God and what he is saying. When you're praying, when you're worshiping, when you're studying the Bible, when you're, when you're serving, when you encounter someone who needs the gospel, consider the source. Consider God and consider the gospel that he has proclaimed, that he has put forth for us to proclaim. And then consider where you came from. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in your transgressions and the circumcision, uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. One thing that I think is necessary for all of us from time to time and, and by the way I don't like these things because I can see this real well and I can't see any of you out there one of the things that I think is necessary for all of us is to remember when we were dead go back and think about your life before you were a Christian you see, that's one thing that I worry about when I study the Bible with people, especially when I was studying with my children when they were younger. Do you understand what deadness is? Do you understand what it means to be dead? And that's a little harder for kids growing up in the church. And... But all of us need to remember our deadness. Remember the time before we became a child of God. Not that we go back and think about that and reflect upon it and reminisce. Oh, those were good times. No, not at all. You were dead. You were lost. You were destined to be charbroiled for all eternity. And yet, God plucked you from the fires of hell because of a Savior. Because you were washed in the blood of Christ. You now have new life. You're a new creature in Christ. But remember your deadness. You know, folks, before I became a Christian in 1997, I won't go into detail, but I did some things that I would, I'm not proud of. A whole bunch of things. Things that could have caused collateral damage that I could have still been dealing with right now. I think about the girl I dated in high school, the girl that I was madly in love with and that I wanted to marry. If I'd have married her, I have no doubt I'd be divorced today. I sure wouldn't be in the church. I think about some of the decisions that I made as a teenager and even in my early 20s, and I think about some of the things that I did, and I think I'm lucky to be here. Not just standing here in this spot, lucky to be alive. There are some people who, who have come to Christ, who, who have lived in Christ many years, but they think about their dead times, and they are still dealing with consequences of decisions they made when they were dead. Those don't go away. I think about my life before I became a child of God, and I think about how differently my life could have played out. And the only reason I can tell you that it's different and the only reason I can tell you why I'm here today is because of Jesus Christ. That's the, that's the only reason. It's the biggest reason. It's the best reason. It's the only reason. That's why I'm here. That's why all of us are here, right? Remember your life before Jesus. Remember your baptism. But go back even further and remember your life before you were baptized. Remember that life you lived while you were dead. I don't think any of us are old enough that we can't go back and remember some of that and appreciate where you've come. 
I tell people all the time, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm sure a whole lot further than I was. And hopefully every day I get a little bit further. But as long as you can draw a breath, as long as you are alive, you are still climbing, you are still growing and maturing. Let that deadness be your fuel to say, I used to be that, I'm not that anymore, and I'm never going back to that. I remember it, and I don't want to be that again, and so I'm going to consider the source every day, and I'm going to live my life for Christ so that I can be the best I can be. So that when I leave this earth, I die climbing, right? So, what's your need tonight? What is it that you need from this family? Do you need prayers? Do you need to study the Bible with someone? Do you need to talk with someone? Understand that not everyone answers the invitation the same way. It is not an absolute must or truth that you walk down that aisle and sit here and tell us your problems. Some of you answer the invitation in, in your heart and you, you want to come back and talk to an elder or myself or some, someone that you trust later. That's okay. We can do that too. But if you have a pressing need tonight that you need help with, let us help you. Again, we are a family. We are a family of people who recognize that we were once dead and now we're alive. And Christ has made all the difference, right? Let him make the difference in your life. Dave's going to lead us in a song. Come as we stand and as we sing.